This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And welcome to God's Blending. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Blending wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Joseph Anthony. Yeah, what's up, man? Um, so at the time of this episode, yes. once this episode becomes available to the general listening public, right. we will have been recently at Seek. But at the time uh, yes. of recording to this episode, we will, we will not, not have yet no. been at Seek. Well, that's a future perfect tense, but it actually just, I mean to say, we're, we're not at Seek yet. No, we, um, we haven't been there. We, so we could spend this time speculating as to how Seek might go. You want to play? Oh, it was great. We saw so many people. <laughs> it was just, you know, the Lord was doing beautiful things and yeah. But but then you recall that like in March of 2020, if uh-huh. we had been speculating as to what might happen in April of 2020, that would have been... Messy. Yeah, that would have been messy. So maybe then speculation as to future events is an act of faith, mm-hmm. hope, and mm-hmm. love that yeah. God will not visit upon us another pandemic. <laughs> Let's um, hope if, not. If you're made uncomfortable well, about the language of visit upon us, then we'll just kind of keep cruising here. Um, but January, all right, so December is your favorite month of the year, at least if memory serves. I believe it's your favorite month of the year because yeah. of the Christmas cheer, which <laughs> pervades the entirety yes. of it. Now, you got some folks who get a little upset about Christmas cheer getting out ahead of itself into the Advent season. You're not one of those folks. I am not. No, yeah, I think there, it's there are some of those folks. So, with, with due, I suppose, consideration to uh-huh, their Advent uh-huh. sensibilities, yes. what would you say is the best or the most potent argument for celebrating Christmas always and everywhere in all of its splendor? Mm-hmm. I think the best way to spread. Spread cheers, singing loud for all to hear. There it you is. Know. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think there's something about uh, the Christmas fervor. Like that's what that is. Like the hype and the fervor that does just um, draw out general cheer and 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 happiness and things like that. So I think there's a way to you know we condense it to a specific season and things like that. But like I don't mind like in July. You know, throwing on some Christmas music and things like that. It may seem like totally out of place, but I don't think it is because it's both a remembrance of a really important and good thing, you know, the birth of the Jesus and all of the good things that surround that, but also it stokes the emotions and the passions for a future, mm-hmm. you know, which is the coming of that season once again. So I think there are times where like we 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 all do this, right? Like this is why we go back and look at old photos of uh, things to remember the good that was there, um, but also as a way to kind of uh, encourage us for the future. So I think there is a reason that uh, Christmas celebrations, Christmas lights, Christmas music <laughs> have a place at all times. Yeah, so I'm a bit of a moody beast. Yeah, I'm you are. easily mm-hmm. affected in one way or the other by sadness and anger <laughs> and emotions of all sorts. But but Christmas is an especially moody time for me, not because of like reasons that it would be a moody time for other persons, but like in, in the sense that um, I, there's so much anticipation of Christmas mm-hmm. because Christmas as a child just delivers the goods. Oh yeah. But from a young age, I always had a pretty keen sense that the goods delivered were not the ultimate goods, yeah. and not like I was like a budding Christian philosopher or theologian <laughs> at the time, and I was like, this <laughs> is meant to signify the fact that our ultimate satisfaction is in heaven. I'm I was still just, left wanting. There's got to be something more. Yeah, but like I like at one point I found a Christmas gift, you know, destined for my reception under my sister's bed and I was mm-hmm. jazzed about, you know like when you had Legos, yeah. you had a theme and there were like 7 to 10 different sets associated with that theme. Like in the early 90s Aquazone was yeah, yeah. the rage, the Aqua Sharks and the Aquabots. Um when you found 
you know, or when you received the the top tier set, mm-hmm. which at that time in the early '90s was like a ninety dollar thing, which was an incredible amount of money. It still is an incredible big amount investment. Of money. Um, but when you when you receive one of those things, it was like coming into the possession of the kingdom. You mm-hmm. know, like you you were richly endowed with Lego delights. Um, <laughs> and I found one of those sets under my sister's bed right before Christmas. I figured it was coming my way, and then I didn't get it for Christmas, and then I didn't get it for Epiphany. And it turns out that my family had actually exchanged it and gotten a couple other different gifts, like smaller Ooh. gifts. Heartbreak. And that for me... Heartbreak. Yeah, exactly. I've been scarred ever since. Traumatized. No, it's it's like I, you, you come into the Christmas season thinking like, this will be the thing. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this is going to give me the goods. And then you look at it from a certain material vantage, and it doesn't deliver the goods. You look at it from a certain spiritual vantage, and it still doesn't actually give the goods. It's not just a matter of like thinking happy spiritual thoughts. It's a matter of yeah, fixing your eyes on whatever satisfaction lies in store, but that's a matter of faith, it's a matter of hope, it's a matter of charity, and it's also a matter of just devastation here. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, here we are in the post-Christmas dispensation, but we're also in the pre-Christmas dispensation. We're also just in the, I mean, just get jazzed, get pumped, get excited, but also brace yourself for the inevitable disappointments human life entails. So on that cheery note, um, we thought that we would talk about the various ways in which we reach out to material things, Yes. So as to, you know, help us cope with the dissatisfactions of mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. or help us get through this here valley of tears. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about addictions. But before doing so, we thought like, okay, not all attachments or not all no. dependencies or not all relationships with material things or even with persons, you know, uh, are negative just by virtue of the fact that they are kind of fixed or that they're mm-hmm, well mm-hmm. established. Yeah. Okay. So maybe let's talk a little bit about that, like get into the question by by thinking in those terms. What what would you start? The, the first thing to understand, and I, I'm a big proponent of this, is that we are human beings. Mm. Big fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I love it. Yeah. And we're not angels. Yeah. And we need material things. Like that is part of our uh, human life. That's part of the gift of what it means to be a human person is that we actually engage in a material uh, way and we we need these things we we have our own matter and thus we can engage with that and thus we can delight in that and I think that's one of those things that is like we should be pursuing in in healthy and, and appropriate uh, ordered ways but w- there is a, an attribute or an, a part of our humanity that says we need to be pursuing material pleasures as well because um, because of our humanity and the gift that it, that is. So I think there can be times where we see when it goes, when it spirals out of control and these material attachments and material addictions and somebody's entire being is is then directed towards material pleasures and things like that. We see the extreme and when it gets out of control and there's a certain response that is, well, then let's go to the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like we want to have no engagement. I find no delight in this material world. My only delight is in ethereal things and that's not actually good either and so there's we have to understand that there uh there's a uh being human means delighting in these material in in a real material creation as uh given to us by god himself yeah so maybe we say we as human beings like you said not angels so soul and body yep one thing St. Thomas will say the horizon of creation where heaven and earth meet and embrace. Um, And so the building up of our human life is going to involve both spiritual and corporeal goods, Mm -hmm. right? Not just as a mere concession to the flesh in its weakness and woundedness, (laughs) but as an integral feature of our flourishing, Mm -hmm. because if God had wanted us 
to live without material goods or corporeal things. He would have made us angels, yes. but he didn't. So the fact of the creation, or, or the fact of his creating us with this particular nature, also, also vouchsafes, or it also makes clear like how we're meant to unfold, mm-hmm. how we're meant mm-hmm. to flourish, how we're meant to come into possession of the fullness of life. So then, that being said, we want to do it well. Yes. We want to yes, do it in absolutely. such a way as to promote you know, like progress, healing and growth as to promote all the types of things which we describe at length on the podcast. So we want to engage with spiritual goods and corporeal goods in healthy ways, not just healthy ways. That sounds like the point of this is psychological. I or think like ordered emotional. ways. That's yeah. what I always say is like, um, I'm a big proponent of like, I don't necessarily always agree with balance. Um, and be like, I, just, I need, need balance in my life. And balance is like, well, that's not necessarily how life runs. Like, I, But I've always seen like there needs to be order to that as well as like times of harmony, you know? And so, yeah, I, I think that when we look at it, it's not necessarily we need to keep the the spiritual and the corporeal or the the physical and the, the non-tangible, those things, we need to be in health with them. It's like actually they need to be ordered mm-hmm. in, in the right and just ways. And in that proper ordering, they find their flourishing. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that we talk about all the time and hopefully it gets communicated but maybe that's that explicit stating is that all of these goods, when they when they are properly ordered, right, each has its total flourishing, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of what it means to live in as a human being made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah, and we as human beings made in the image and likeness of God or to the image and likeness of God are dependent. Yes, right. So yes. we're dependent upon God for our whole life. We're also dependent upon other people. Mm-hmm. We're dependent upon you know the goods of the earth. We're dependent upon a variety of things, and that's baked into the equator. That's baked into the the situation, such that we might reconcile ourselves to it, embrace the fact, and find our flourishing in and through that. So that means, for instance, right, that as creatures we look to God for everything. As sons and daughters, we look to our parents for mm-hmm. everything. As a member of a family, of a community, of a church, of whatever else, right? We look to those persons with whom we're in relationships to supply for our needs, not as if we're just an infinite sea of needs, but in the sense that we look to them, at least in the initial stages of our relationships, for a lot of things, and then in subsequent stages of our relationships for quite a few things besides. Um, and I think that like the point of human life isn't to be independent, no, right? It's no. to be interdependent in the right ways or yes. to be dependent in the right ways. And I think of that book by Alistair McIntyre in which he refers to human beings as dependent rational animals. Like part of what it means for us to be rational and, you know, like super rational when it comes to the spiritual life is to embrace the dependency which we experience at the depth of our being, not rebel against it, right? Not bracket it as if we were angels, right. but to live it in a healthy way that promotes freedom in mm-hmm. orderly fashion. So I think that like when we, we approach the question of attachment and detachment or ritualization or habituation, yep. that, that it all falls under that that rubric of, of healthy dependence or God-given, God-intended interdependence. So yeah, maybe we can turn then to attachment and detachment, lead us into that. Yeah, when we're talking about that depend- dependency that is kind of baked into our existence, like I think it's really important because there is such a huge push to pe- become independent and autonomous. And we see this, right? As a child, you go through, you know, you're very, it's very clear you're dependent on your parents to supply for you, to feed you, to give you shelter and to educate you and all these things. Like we are extremely dependent on our parents in that way. But as you look at physical maturation, right, this happens when you, you know, grow into your adolescence and then into college and university years, there's this big push to then 
do this yourself. You're on your own. Mm -hmm. And then what we find is, you know, in the middle stages of our life, we find that other people then become dependent on us. And so there's almost more of a push from independence to do it for yourself, but to now to do it for others. Now others are dependent on you, but you become the stability and all of that. And then at the end of your life, you actually return back to depending on others. Mm -hmm. You know, like as old age takes place, you become very dependent on others to feed you, to bathe you, and all these other things. So even the arc of human life has this kind of ebb and flow of dependency in it. And typically in the, you know, in the adolescence and, um, you know, early adulthood, this push for independency is takes the lead on that but it's a little bit of a misnomer mm -hmm. and i think the like what we kind of want to show is that like in all areas that what it means to be human is to actually depend on on many realities and so then we can um kind of under or talk through that about what does it mean the difference between a dependency and an attachment mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that. And those are, I think, some real key understandings before we even jump into when it goes, moves all the way to addictions yeah. in, in that aspect. Yeah, I think if I were to you know, isolate a spiritual principle, uh, apropos mm -hmm. of these various themes that we've been discussing, I think that our dependencies in life, our various dependencies or interdependencies, they ought ultimately to mediate our dependency upon God. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. to say, reveal it and then afford us, whether in the natural or the supernatural order, kind of grace uh, between scare quotes if it's in the natural <laughs> order, but straight up if it's in the supernatural order, so as to embrace our dependency upon God. Right. Like the love of our parents ought ultimately to help us embrace our dependency upon the Most High God. The love of our family, the love of our friends, the love of you know, the various people with whom we're in relationship and in intermediate institutions or in society, the polity, the church, right? Yeah. Ultimately to communicate something of that same thing so that we look to the right source for our, you know, our sustenance, right? And our flourishing. And I've heard it from many friends of mine who have um, got married and started families, like they don't, they end up in deeper um, relationships with the Lord once they start, you know, establishing a family and having kids and those kids are dependent, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. now there's this, these attributes of, of my dependency on God that now I understand because I have another that's depending on me. Mm -hmm. And so even in that phase, like where it's not necessarily revealing our dependency on, on God, but when, once we have um, somebody else being dependent on us and relying on us, that also can, like you said, mediate or reveal a depth in that relationship that we have in God. Yeah. And so at all of these stages, like it helps to reinforce that within yep. us. Yeah. And so I think that helps us to make a determination among, you know, good attachments, bad attachments, mm -hmm. good detachments, bad detachments. And then also the sense of like ritualization and habituation when it comes to our daily practices and the various things that we use. So I would say that it's good to be attached to the things yes. which which mediate life in healthy fashion, in orderly fashion. Right. It's bad to be attached to the things that mediate death in unhealthy fashion or disorderly fashion. That's kind of like a basic, yeah, criteria. I would say the, not even death, and in, in maybe death in square <laughs> square quotes again, but those things that uh, diminish our humanity. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's what the death that we're kind of yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about is. Is there is not necessarily. Um, putting us in the grave, which some of our some of them do, but those things that reduce our humanity uh, away from its full flourishing. Yeah, and and so those types of attachments are the things that we should str try strive 
to detach away from because it's reducing our humanity and yep. the full expression of that. And the full expression of our humanity is often encapsulated or comes through very powerfully in our freedom. Yes. And not freedom in the sense of I can do whatever I darn well please, whether <laughs> it's for the praise of God or for the detriment of you know myself, my relationships, my whatever else. Uh, but we talk about freedom as this freedom for excellence, a mm -hmm. freedom to embrace the good, which is in fact your good, such that you're poised towards, you know, like activity or ac action or, or operate, whatever. You're, you're poised in such a way that you can be deployed in the service of this good that has come to constitute, you know, your kind of life's vision or your life's yep. project. Mm -hmm. um, so that you've been empowered, you've been emboldened, you've been kind of unleashed, as it were, in the direction of your flourishing. Um, so we're looking to, again, to attach and detach, right, to habituate and ritualize mm -hmm. so as to facilitate that thing. And so we can approach various goods or various relationships under that rubric and then ask, um, you know, does this lead to freedom or does this not? Yeah. You know, does this augment freedom or does this diminish it? And so we can think about simple things like food, drink, right. you know, like you're going to want to eat good food and not eat bad food. You're going to drink good drink and not drink bad drink, you know, blah, 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 without getting into all the details of alcohol and stuff like that. We might touch on that later. You want to do it in such a way that you, you know, nourish your body, that you replenish your energy, that you're rip-roaring and ready to go the next day so that you can be present to prayer and present to work and present yeah. to relationships yeah. and not constantly dragged down or, you know, kind of exhausted by the various things on which you're dependent because you're addicted to sugar or because you're addicted to, you know, like to alcohol or something like that. Um, but then we can think about it too with when it comes to ritualization and habituation. Is it bad to do the same thing every day? No. No. No, it's not. It can be very good to do the same thing every day, in fact. So maybe a word on that. Yeah, um, I think there there's a, a lack of appreciation for rituals in our life. And you see this in a lot of um, even expressions and approaches in in God and worship and, and other kind of denominations and things like that, that they, they very much lack ritual. And that, that kind of presents a certain chaos because it leaves the human person who, because of our fallen nature has has a chaotic understanding where we're disordered mm -hmm. you know and so we need certain types of rituals to ground us order us in that right direction mm -hmm. and so i think we've lost an understanding of rituals maybe culturally while there still have always there's this human like kind of grasping at finding some kind of rituals mm -hmm. and socially you know you see different rituals of uh, young men growing into adulthood, like what does that transition look like for uh, moving in or young women moving into adulthood? Like, you know, different cultures have ritualized that type mm -hmm. of a thing. And it's not just because it's uh, uh, for other reasons, but it's like it's part of our humanity to kind of ritualize certain aspects of our life. And, you know, as, as a Catholic and, and a cradle Catholic, I think that's something that was very commonplace in my life is that there are, there are rituals both in larger spheres, but also in um, in our daily life, mm -hmm. and and there's an there's an appropriateness to that because of our fallen nature that it, we need, and and I mean this, we need we are dependent on these rituals to help direct us and order us in the proper uh, proper way of life. Yeah, and I think that represents a fact that we're we're carried on by. Mm -hmm. 
the lives of others by the choices of others. And we're not capable of being eminently rational about every aspect of our life, <laughs> of, like subjecting every aspect of our life to rational scrutiny and doing what is in fact optimal or maximal in every instance on the basis of our own judgment, because we're not competent to do that. No. It's just too much. There are mm -hmm. too many factors to take account of, and it risks hyper-intellectualizing our lives and yeah. specifically our practice of the faith. So I think that there's a sense in which we can be carried on by you know, a community carried on by certain practices, carried on by insights which have, you know, stood the test of time and which still have applicability mm -hmm. in the here and now. And so I think that, like, what we're trying to do with following certain ritual rituals isn't being, you know, ritualistic in the negative sense of, like, shutting off our minds and just yeah. being carried away in cult worship as we do whatever that entails, but in the sense that, like, we trust that those who have gone before us have thought these things through in the ways appropriate to them and that we can be conducted along a similar course. And with habituation, it's like we want to breathe rationality into our habits such that that freedom which arises kind of spontaneously from yeah. the depths of our being is able to be channeled in a way that's healthy and that leads to flourishing with, again, uh, not having to think whether or not I brush my teeth every morning, just kind of doing the thing and then, mm -hmm. you know, taking whatever medicines you take or supplements you take and then, you know, preparing yourself the normal breakfast and praying in the normal place and posture and doing all those things because they lead to life, because they lead to freedom, because they lead to flourishing. And and think like even in a very kind of localized version, right, we, we actually should incorporate rituals into our daily life. Mm -hmm. Like, um, do you have a morning routine? You have a nighttime routine. Yeah, yeah. You have a beginning of work day routine, an end of work day routine, because um, without that, we are just kind of scattered and just constantly reacting. Mm -hmm. And and in these ways, like there there are aspects of our life that become ritualized, that are actually giving us then the ability to flourish in our freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, so I know that once I've started my nighttime routine, I'm. I'm going to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so I'm preparing for that. Or once I've started my, my workday routine, then I'm in it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I can have that ability to be free in those moments because of these kind of, um, mile markers or thresholds that I cross that are ritualized to just communicate to myself, okay, this is where I need to be mm -hmm. and I need to be free in that. Yeah. Okay. So then with the time that remains, just, we can touch briefly on addiction. I think a lot of people are worried because of certain attachments mm -hmm, or detachments mm -hmm. because of certain rituals or habits that they might be addicted, like I'm addicted to coffee or I'm addicted to my phone or I'm addicted to whatever else. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, now that we've laid some of the groundwork and talked about our human dependency and how our relationships and our interactions with material things ought to mediate a healthy dependency upon God and others that yeah. begets freedom, we're in a position where we can talk about addiction and say, what addiction effectively is, is it's a disorder or it's a subversion of the hierarchy of goods such that we are bound or enslaved to lower things which make it difficult for us to embrace higher things mm -hmm. and complicate, you know, like our human narrative, our human story. Yeah, yeah. So we want to be careful about the particular things and the particular persons with whom we're in relationship or with whom we have these exchanges, if it begets like a kind of chemical or, um, you know, like ritual or like, uh, what, what would the word for that be? Like a behavioral. Behavioral or, kind yeah. of um, dependency of an unhealthy sort or mm -hmm. of a disorderly nature. So maybe take us through some yeah. of those things. When, we, when we're when we now zeroing in on addictions, I think it's important for us to look at where that precisely is in the human faculties. You know, when we're talking about addictions, we're actually talking about it within the will. So human person, intellect, will, passions, like the addictions are within the will. And as you said, like it, there's 
a few different types, right? We look at a chemical dependency as like a dependence on a certain, uh, you know, chemical intake. So whether it be narcotics or alcohol or, or things like that. And then there are certain behavioral addictions, you know, and that, that could be any variety of, of, of things that are once again, taking away our humanity uh, and taking away our freedom. And that's when we talked about freedom, like freedom in the will there. So when we look at those addictions, we're, we're, we're talking about something that has happened within the will and that has mitigated the free use of the will. Mm -hmm. So now we don't have the freedom to allow the intellect to direct the will, right? To allow the intellect to inform the will, the will, I'm sorry, and that will then to order us towards the good. So even though we know that this thing may not be good for us or we know what the good should be, our will loses its capacity to act freely mm -hmm. because of an addiction that has been introduced that has then lowered or disordered the will to such a manipulated, the will might be a better way to think about it, to that it doesn't have the freedom then to then make the good choice and the good action. And that's because of its dependency on either chemical or behavioral uh, nature of it all. Yeah. So then when we talk about addiction, we might recognize in our own life certain addictions, and then we might despair on account of the fact that for chemical or behavioral reasons, we really have given up a lot of ground when it comes yeah. to the exercise of freedom, and we feel ourselves utterly impotent to make a significant change. Well, mm -hmm. I think in those situations, we start small, yes. right? So we have been complicit in the mitigation of liberty, but just as that was gradually diminished, so it might be gradually augmented, right? Yes. And that will mean entering back into relationships of healthy dependency with mm -hmm. transparency, with accountability, maybe with you know consultation of you know a clinician or a professional who is able to give us the sound counsel and mm -hmm. help rehabituate or kind of like re-ritualize a healthy way in which to live. And so I think that if you find yourself saying, I'm, I'm, I'm bound, I'm in a state of servitude, I lack all freedom with respect to this thing. So that, that might be a decent enough description of your experience of the phenomenon, but the natural law can never be wholly blotted out from the heart right. of man. Yep. So there's always some purchase there. Mm -hmm. And insofar as you're able to recognize your own humanity, you're able to hand it over to those who can be entrusted with it. So I think that that, that gives us a kind of sense for the freedom as it as it remains to be reclaimed or as it remains to be kind of revindicated. So yeah. I mean, uh, neuroscientists talk about the brain and its neuroplasticity and, and how fascinating that really is. But I think we can also look at the will and there's a certain plasticity with, with the will. And, and you've said it so, so beautifully, like there's a way to re-engage the will and to reclaim. I think that was a beautiful uh, way to phrase that is like, okay, well, even if we step back and it's, you know, we, we find ourselves, maybe the chemical dependencies are easier to highlight and mm -hmm. point to and say, oh, that's, that's an addiction and let's, let's treat that. But some of the behavioral ones are a, a little more um, murky. Mm -hmm. But if you take a step back and it's like, yeah, maybe I am addicted to work. Maybe I am addicted to, um, you know, somebody's affirming words and I'll do whatever it takes to get them. Maybe I am addicted to my phone mm -hmm. and the, you know, the pleasures of, of, um, of engaging in, in a social in social media or, or things like that. If we take that step back, like we're not just, um, ruined goods mm -hmm. and say, oh, I lost my opportunity. I, 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 I ruined and now my soul is rotten and there's no way to reclaim that. Like no, we can we can do this. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to take intentional work and it's going to take intentional actions that are, you know, very difficult at the beginning to kind of break that cycle. 
but we can rehabituate healthy rituals and healthy engagements with material goods and to not be afraid of that. And maybe there are some things, you know, once again, when we talk about substances or even some behaviors, it's like, well, I know that I have a certain propensity for that uh, excessive engagement. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just, in order to that, I have to cut that aspect out of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? And so maybe I stop drinking alcohol or maybe I I delete my social medias and just say, I'm not going to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. But to take the steps to and have the hope that I'm not absolutely damaged goods yeah. and that I can reclaim my will and in doing so reclaim my freedom. Yep. And that at this point, because of my addictions to these things, maybe I don't have total freedom to engage with these things because when it's presented to me, I don't have the freedom. I immediately engage in, in that activity or engage with that, um, that substance but I can reclaim that so that I can reclaim freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think then we can conclude with some yeah, simple suggestions on the basis of that criterion. Um, yes, yeah, so we come before our own lives as beggars, you know, for the, yeah. for the purpose and meaning thereof, mm-hmm. for the integrity and, you know, sanity, health thereof. And so if we find ourselves in unhealthy relationships with things or people, then we come before the, lo- the Lord as, mm-hmm. as beggars and ask Him to reveal to us the ways in which we are perhaps attached or detached, ritualized, habituated, maybe addicted in a way that's not good, mm-hmm. um, and then for to ask for lights and insights so that we can see it more clearly, and then to ask him for empowerment and an emboldening so that way we can begin to address it. Right. But then also to reach out to people who can help us in so doing, right? So like re-engage the healthy dependencies, which will work against the unhealthy dependencies, mm-hmm. so as to right the ship and reorder the relationships with the things and with the people so as to ultimately liberate and empower a deeper freedom. But then also like to be patient with ourselves, to be gentle with ourselves. Because it's not the type of thing where you can just reverse course in a day or in two days or in three days. It's probably going to take the whole of your life uh, to address it wholly and entirely. And that'll mean asking the Lord for the sense of the change, asking Mm -hmm. the Lord for the sense of the conversion, because all of it's worthwhile. It's not just about attaining to... like a state of perfection that's easily recognizable by everyone there as as holy as as you know like wonderful indeed but it's about you know putting in the work it's about undertaking the effort so that you can by small stages consent to and cooperate with the grace of conversion that god is giving so those would be just like a couple of small things i don't know if you have any further yeah um the tried and true method of dealing with addictions are are the 12 steps Mm -hmm. and i would i i'm a big big proponent and encourager of the 12 steps um and that's both for behavioral and chemical um addictions i think when addiction happens the 12 steps are exactly where to go and part of what you were just alluding to that i think is is part of that fabric though is we have to recognize that like we have to you know step away from the the bad habits we have to step away from that bad but it's not just in, in many respects it's not enough just to white knuckle it and to push it it's like i'm doing good if that's not a part of it mm-hmm. we have to then choose good habits good rituals too so allowing ourselves to step away and not just create a void right because that will create kind of deeper despair and, and all these other things, but making sure that we are choosing good paths forward, mm-hmm. good relationships, good pleasures in our life that um, are allowing us to flourish in our humanity. So it's we may know I want to root this addiction out of my life, but then in that same breath, we have to also have to say, but I also want to cultivate this other um, aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that it's, I, I think that many people see the, the, the struggles, the addictions, and they want to get that out, but they don't go the further step to say, okay, like, but I want to make sure that I'm choosing healthy relationships. I want to model myself after, uh, somebody who, who is well ordered mm -hmm. and, and have other proper uh, goods in my life because an addiction is taking a lower good and, and it's in its higher place. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that I'm ordered well, but I also want to make sure that I have identifiable goods that I am engaging with in their proper order. Um, and as human beings, this is the beauty of, of our creation is that we are not to do this in isolation. We talked about independence earlier and how dependent we are. Well, in this reordering in a, in a healthy way of our humanity, we are not to do that alone in, in isolation. So to bring one other person involved in this and have them help us keep accountable or to say, I really admire how you order your life in, in these areas. Like, can you help me? This is what I desire. And, and doing that in, in communion, in friendship, is going to be one of the greatest um, encouragers and assets to actually living a well-ordered life and stepping away from addictions. Because we're not to do this alone in any sense. Boom. Yeah. There you go. And I'd say, let the Lord re-envision your life for you. If you yeah. find it difficult to re-envision your own life, oh, yeah. you know, permit the Lord to do so. And mm -hmm. he has a, uh, a more fertile imagination than any of us. So he <laughs> very, can, very true. He can envision it for you in a way that's wonderful indeed. Okay, so that is what we had uh, prepared slash planned for you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. If you would, follow us on Facebook, X, Twitter. Nope, that's the same thing. Instagram, TikTok. Who knows? Regardless, uh, if you would like, subscribe and leave a five star review, all of which helps to get the word out and get more people engaged with the podcast so as to engage in, you know, the conversations for conversion. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the description and or show notes in the same description and or show notes. You'll find link for merchandise, links for merchandise and for uh, upcoming God's planning events, which we have teased uh, on the website at present. So no of our prayers for you. And please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planet.